So what I want to talk to you about is adversity. And for some people, adversity, obstacles, difficulties, disappointments, trouble, makes faith difficult for people. Why, why is this happening to me? And some people, when they face difficulty and hardship, they just lay down as a victim. And over their lifetime, they develop kind of a learned helplessness. Now, other people, on the other hand, uh, treat adversity differently. Some people, when faced with adverse situations, rather than making their faith difficult, their faith grows, their faith soars, and they become achievers because of the things that happen to them. The adversity in their life becomes the secret to their success. Whether or not adversity happens to us, and it happens to all of us, um, it's really a choice in how we respond to it. There's so much in life you don't get to choose. You don't get to choose where you were born. You don't get to choose your hair color, your color of your eyes. You don't get to choose how tall you are. You don't get to choose a lot of what happens to you. But ultimately you have a choice. I have a choice. We all have a choice on how we respond to things that happen to us in life. And what you will find out to be true if you look at people today who have, or in the past, who've achieved great things in their life, it's not because they had more talent than other people. It's because of how they responded to adversity. Bill Gates, his first business failed. Albert Einstein did not speak until he was four years old. Benjamin Franklin dropped out of school at the age of 10 because his parents couldn't afford to pay for his education. Richard Branson, who founded a major record label and an airline, has dyslexia. Oprah Winfrey, did you know, gave birth at 14 and lost her child. Thomas Edison failed a thousand times before he made the light bulb. Vincent van Gogh only sold one painting in his lifetime. Anybody know how old Franklin Roosevelt was when he was paralyzed? Partially, he was 39 years old, and some say it was the reason he became a great president. Steven Spielberg was rejected by the uh, University of uh, Southern California twice, film school, he was rejected. Steve Jobs um, got fired by Apple Computer in 1985, and he said getting fired was the best thing that ever happened to him. Michael Jordan was cut from his high school basketball team. Can you imagine that coach today, how he feels about that? And I just finished reading a biography of Abraham Lincoln. I can't think of anybody that experienced more adversity, more failure, more trouble, more trauma. Uh, the death of sons, uh, laughed at and ridiculed because of his physical appearance, hardship, grew up desperately, desperately poor with no, no formal education, more than two years of education, ended up becoming president of the United States and arguably, I would tell you, the reason he was such a great president during one of the most difficult times in American history was because of the way he faced, endured, and overcame adversity. Now, we live in a basketball state. Did anybody know what happened last week, though, that's so important? No, because we're in a basketball state. Yesterday was the NFL draft. Okay, I'm from Texas and a Dallas Cowboy fan. And you may not have noticed this, what happened, but there was a, a, a young man drafted by the Dallas Cowboys 
the number 50th pick. His name was Connor Williams. He was from the University of Texas. What you don't know about him was that there's a reason why he was drafted number 50 by the Dallas Cowboys. Because of the adversity he had young, when he was younger in life. He was bullied. He was picked on because of his, uh, some learning issues and because of his weight and his size. He was picked on, bullied, and rumors were spread about him, and he had a very difficult school experience. He wrote this letter prior to the draft. Dear bullies of my past, thank you. He says, no sarcasm intended, no hatred, certainly no anger, just a simple thank you. Honestly, I don't know how I could have accomplished what I have so far without your teasing, without your isolation, without your rumor mongering, your harassment, your beatings, and your constant torment. In a few months, I expect to hear my name called in the NFL draft. I've come a long way from those dark days, and I truly owe it to all of you, Connor Williams. And uh, I was actually watching the draft when he was selected, and I was deeply moved. I really didn't know his story. And uh, when he was selected by the Dallas Cowboys, he grew up 20 minutes from where the Cowboys play football, 30 minutes from where I grew up, and he was literally overcome with emotions. And his story is like the story of many great people. He overcame adversity, and his adversity is what made him who he was. If he had not had that adversity younger in life, he would have never become the player and the man that he is today. Now let me tell you a little bit about myself. And I, I've told a lot of stories about where I grew up and about my father. But let me tell you about something that really bothered me when I was a college student. So I went to Texas Christian University. And TCU is a private school, but very expensive. My dad was a milkman. My mom uh, was a, a um, a, in payables at a little company that she worked for. They didn't make much income at all. For me to go to TCU was a big sacrifice. I went to TCU with a lot of kids who had parents that were lawyers and doctors and owned companies and things like that. At the end of the school, school year, we'd be talking about what we'd be doing during the summer. Well, my family, we're going to Europe this summer for vacation to Rome. My, I get to go to the lake all summer. You're going to have a job? Oh, yeah, I'm going to work for a little bit for my dad in his office. And I got to hear all these great things that people were going to do during the summer, but I knew that as soon as I left, finished my finals on Friday, on Monday morning, I was going to have to be at work at the milk plant where my dad worked, stacking milk crates all day long, all week, all summer, no vacation, doing nothing whatsoever, no vacations, just flat-out work. Because my dad and mom paid my tuition, and anything I, if I wanted a pizza, if I wanted a new shirt, if I wanted to have some fun, I was responsible for my cost, my, my other costs, incidentals, during the school year. And I want to tell you, it always kind of frustrated me. You know, all my friends, are, I'd be in there, all my friends are having fun, and I'm here working at this storage plant. Well, I'll tell you one thing, I would never, ever trade my milk truck driving dad as a parent today for the man that owned the plant and gave his kids everything. Because I'm of average intelligence. Just ask anybody that's been a member of our church a long time. <laughs> ask my wife. But the truth is, 
uh, I was able to go from being a nominal student to a good student because I didn't want to spend the rest of my life working in that milk plant. And because I saw the value of effort and hard work and adversity. Here's how we define adversity. Adversity is defined as difficulties, misfortunes. Synonyms equal difficulties, hardships, distress, disaster, misadventure, accident, upset, setback, crisis, trials, tribulations. If anything on that list describes any part of your life, raise your hand. Yeah. You know why? The, the, only, the only people who ever escape adversity are buried at Cave Hill Cemetery. Or any cemetery, right? So when we're facing adversity, let me, let me pass this on to you. Do not personalize it. You know what I mean when I say that? Don't make it personal. When you have a setback in life and something happens to you in your life that is unfortunate and difficult, you know, you went through a divorce, you were sick, someone died, uh, you were in an automobile accident. You didn't get into the school that you wanted to get into. You didn't make the team. Uh, my kids didn't turn out the way I wanted them to turn out. When you face any kind of adversity in your life, don't ask yourself, why is this happening to me? Because it happens to everybody. And let me just tell you, you're not that special for fate to pick you out. Let me say that again. You're not that special. You're, not, you're special, but you're not that special that the whole universe is zeroed in on you to make your life difficult. What, who do we think we are to think that all of life would zero in on me to make life difficult for me? Isn't that the ultimate form of egotism to say, I'm suffering because I'm better than everybody else. God picked me out to make my life miserable. No, everybody's life has trouble. Instead of asking, why is this happening to me, which is a complete waste of time, we should ask, what can I learn from this? I love something Albert Einstein said. He said, adversity introduces a person to themselves. I meet myself in adversity. I find out who I am. It reveals my character. Benjamin Franklin, we talked about him a minute ago, said, those things that hurt instruct. We, we don't learn much from good things, do we? We learn much from Hard things, those things that hurt, instruct. I love this little thing here. Adversity is a part of life. By avoiding adversity, one avoids life. Well, you can't avoid it. You can try to escape it. Now, this is what the Bible says about this. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds... Now, let's just pause right there and think about that for a minute. Think about what James is saying. Be happy, rejoice, brothers and sisters, when you face trials. That is so counterintuitive. But why? Why should we? Because when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You learn you don't have to give up. You learn who you are. You learn your character. And then he goes on to say, let perseverance finish its work in you so that you may be mature and complete. In other words, the things that happen to us as we persevere, we learn from adversity, it brings about growth in us. It brings maturity in us. And I love this last part. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, does anybody here lack wisdom? Just Marcus, right? Marcus, 
We'll talk about that later. <laughs> if any of you lacks wisdom, who should you ask? God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This is what I take this to mean. If you're having a hard time understanding what you need to learn from your experiences, ask God to give you wisdom to understand it. What is wisdom in the Bible? Wisdom in the Bible is being able to, it's, it's not intelligence, it's something different. It's, it's able to look at your experiences in life and learn from them. And learning from your experiences, being able to apply them to the future and also to the present. So as you think about adversity, I would say this to you. Adversity makes faith difficult. But it also makes faith possible. And what's the difference between the two? What do you choose it to be? Well, you have a choice. It's ultimately what you get to choose. You get to choose whether you want it to make your faith difficult or instead to be the inspiration for the growth and for the development of your faith. That's the second point I'd like to make is that no matter how bad things are, you could always make them worse. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? Has anybody ever had something bad happen to you and then you made it worse? Let me give you an example. So I'm at the church here and I'm just having a terrible time. Melbourne is just so difficult to deal with. I, and it's just one thing after another all day long, and I just walk out with a bad mood, and I go home, and guess what? I walk into the house with a bad mood. I'm kidding. Melbourne's wonderful. But so, just say at work. Something happens at work, and you're not having a good day at work, and then you go home, and you bring your bad attitude home, and all of a sudden you made home miserable too. You can always make something. It's all about attitude. Or let's say... You're having a bad day at home, you get up before work, and you have a, some problem at home, and then you go to work, and you take what happened at home to work, and you made your work worse. You made your situation work worse because of the situation you had had at home. Or let's give you another example. Let's say uh, you're, you're divorced. Your marriage doesn't work out right. Does it work out? And you have a heartbreak and a disappointment. And the very next thing you do is instead of learning and going to counseling and learning about yourself and taking some time off from relationships, you go right into the next one and you made the situation worse because the second person is always worse than the first person. <laughs> if you haven't done your homework, because... The truth is the divorce, rate, the divorce rate for second marriages is much higher than for a percentage is much higher for, for first marriages. The great thing is that God is so powerfully creative. He can take anything in your life and turn it into something good. But so often what we do is because of the way that we think about things, we make things so much worse. And let me give you another example of how we make things worse. Sometimes we're in the middle of a very temporary situation, and then we make a permanent decision. Let me talk about marriage, for example. Anybody here ever been, anybody here married more than 30 years, or was married more than 30 years? Was it always just uh, hugs and roses? <laughs> no, absolutely, right? 
Never make a bad decision in a valley about the future or any, anything in life. You're having a tough time on your job. You don't like your job. And you make, a, you make a permanent decision about your job during a downturn. Never make a, that's how you make things worse. The third thing is, <clears throat> and I think this is, this is a really important point. Nothing ever goes away until we learn what we need to learn from it. Let me tell you what that means. So something happens to you in your life, some event, some occurrence, something happens to you in your life, some form of adversity, and you don't learn anything from it. And instead of trying to face it and to learn from the experience, what do you do? You run from it. And if you could run 100 miles an hour all the way to the end of the other part of the world to escape the problem you have, guess what will happen when you get there? It will be right there. You know? It's like the lady that one time told me, she said, David, I heard you used to live in Houston. And I said, I did, yeah. And she says, well, we're, we're probably going to be moving there. She said, did you like living in Houston? And then I said to her, well, let me ask you a question first. Did you like living in Louisville? And she said, well, um, not really. We didn't think people here were very friendly. And I said, well, you're not going to like Houston either. And she said, what do you mean? I said, the problem is that with Houston, it's not with Louisville, because when you go to Houston, you're going to find the same person here, you. She didn't like that very much. <laughs> what I mean is that, is that your problems are the same problems over and over again a lot of times, and we don't learn from them. They just show up in different forms, in different ways, and they just keep manifesting themselves in relationships, in jobs, in the same patterns. I just did a talk. Uh, for 20 ministers, that shows you how, how much people want to hear. I did a webinar and 20 people showed up from all over the country <laughs> because I was talking about longevity ministry. And I told them, I said, if you leave your church after seven years, you're never going to learn what you need to learn. The average day for ministers is five to seven years. And uh, I said, if you stay longer than seven years, you'll be through enough stuff in your life to understand what you need to learn. But if you keep moving every five to seven years, you're never going to learn what you need to learn. You'll never be the ministry you can be. Stay in the same place long enough so that you can learn who you are and who the church is. Churches can't change and grow if they keep changing ministries every five to seven years because you don't learn anything. You just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You just keep, so nothing goes away until we learn what we need to learn. The fourth thing is, and I think this is the absolute truth, is that God does not bring all adversity to us, does not cause all our problems. I believe God is sovereign, the head of the universe. But the Bible teaches that adversity is God's most effective tool for shaping our character, for growing our faith. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that God works for the good in all things, God works for the good in all things for those who love him. And that doesn't mean that God causes all things, but what it does mean is that God uses all things to shape us. I wrote a list of things. So these are the things I think you gain from, from adversity. You, gain, you learn that you can trust each other. You learn that you can trust God. When two people have been in a relationship, go through something up and down and up and down and up and down, the reason they, they stick with, with the long haul is because they develop trust. I know after we get through this, you're still going to be there for me. 
trust. You develop intimacy with God and with each other. You develop humility. You develop stamina. Resilience. Gratitude. When you face adversity, doesn't it not produce compassion for others? And it produces grace, grace toward others, grace to us. Those, th- those are things that you don't get without adversity. You don't receive those without, you know, the gift of adversity. You know, in two weeks on Mother's Day, I'm preaching a sermon, and the title is, The Best Way to Wreck Your Kids. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And we're going to have all the kids come up and tell the way their moms wrecked them. No, I'm kidding. Wouldn't that be make me happy? That'd be my adversity. That'd be the one where the 16-year ministry at Middletown Christian ended. But what, I, what I'm going to talk about, though, is, is that we have spent so much time focusing on our kids' self-esteem that we've forgotten to teach them how to work hard. We become our children's personal concierge, wanting to make life easy for them, giving them a trophy for doing absolutely nothing taking away from them the very thing that makes people great, adversity. Letting kids fail, uh, being helicopter parents, hovering over them. Then we can't wonder, why can't they become independent, free-thinking, successful adults? I told my wife the other day, I said, isn't it great that we produced a son who doesn't feel the need to call home very often or come home? She goes, no, it's terrible. That just means we're successful. She goes, I know, I know, it's terrible. He doesn't call, he doesn't write. I said, isn't that what we want? We wanted him to leave. No, No, we're proud of him. Napoleon Hill uh, has written a book about success and how he made himself who he is. And he says this, every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. Every adversity, every failure, every heartache carries with it the seed of equal or greater benefit. It's true. We end with this verse then. Paul, who knew a lot about adversity, teaches us this. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now he wrote this from prison. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... Prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And I love this. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. That passage of Scripture tells me that when we face adversity in life, find a way to find the gift in the middle of it. Let God know how you're feeling and what you're going through. Ask God to help you through it. And when you do that, you know God is going to be there for you, and it's going to give you a sense of peace. I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to get through this. I will make it, and not only get through it, but it's, God's going to use it to shape me. 
And so at the end he goes on and says, so focus then on the positive in the midst of all this. Focus on what you can learn. Focus on how you can grow. Focus on what God is doing, on what is honorable and beautiful and wonderful and true.